Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Men for the Win is sponsored by The Grand Group with Edina Realty. Are you looking to purchase a new home in the Twin Cities area? Or perhaps you're trying to sell your current home? Whether you're upsizing or downsizing, The Grand Group with Edina Realty will meet all of your housing needs. Contact The Grand Group by emailing thegrandgroup at edinarealty.com or call them by phone at 612-817-8751. The Grand Group with Edina Realty, three-time Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine Super Agent Award winners. On this episode, David and Dan recap the Twins' three-game series against the Colorado Rockies. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win. My name is David Kufis. With me, as always, is Dan Thompson. Special treat in studio all the way from Spokane. Dan and I have got to spend some time together today. Great series from the Twins. They win two out of three. Maybe not great. The first one wasn't so fantastic. We'll talk about that in a moment. But Dan, so happy to have you in studio. I get so nostalgic coming back to Minneapolis. We're in Northeast. I get to go to Dangerous Man Brewing, right? I get to go to a Twins game with my entire family. David, we brought all, we brought the entire brood. It was great. It was a beautiful day. Has summer been this lovely all year? It got a little hot. It got a little hot, and then it got a little cool, and then it got just right. Well, it felt great. It was a great game. It was fun to watch Game 3. The Twins win this series against the Rockies. Two games to one if you lose in the opener. And I just felt like it was a fantastic day. This is a great way to end the day, David. Quite wonderful. With that, Dan, let's go ahead and jump right into the series recap. Series recap. David, I'm going to be honest. So I was driving during game one, so I listened to game one, and it was so disappointing to lose a game to the Rockies one to nothing how does that happen yeah this is a rough one it's it's interesting because the twins offensive struggles seem to be coming in batches right like it's, yeah. it's rarely it's rarely just one person on the team it's like if the team is going to perform at this level from an offensive perspective the whole team falls into that gap Buxton doesn't start in the game one he does come in and pinch hit later which to your point earlier in the season like you've been calling for Buxton to do more of this pinch hitting doesn't matter I do though wonder if Buxton played the whole game is this different it could be it very well could be buxton has such an impact at the plate and on the base paths if he gets on base anything's possible and again a 1-0 game so obviously a 1-0 game that means we have to talk about the pitching performances bundy goes six innings pitched two walks two strikeouts only the one earned run then duffy goes two innings followed by thornburg coming in who thornburg i think might come into play a little bit later in this podcast dan but a great pitching performance you can't blame either the starters or the bullpen on this loss no and you look at this rockies lineup and it's pretty clear they have bats that can hit. Blackman has been a batting champion in the National League. CJ Crone, who Twins fans know well, is having a career season or two here now with the Rockies. Don't understand, though. How can you not muster one run against this against this team? Arise gets on base a couple times with some walks. Correa gets a hit. Kepler gets a hit. But they just can't string them together enough to get that one run to tie the game. Yeah, the only real play of note from the Twins' perspective was a great catch by Kepler that really kept the Twins close, as close as they were. But again, all for naught. If you can't score any runs, it doesn't matter how great you play in the field. No, you only have three opportunities with runners in scoring position. You leave six guys on base. It's one of those quick games, too. This is a two-hour and 17-minute baseball game. Gosh, doesn't Rocco shift into the mode of how do we manufacture a run to win this game, at least to get it tied and send it to extra innings? Well, and for you, Dan, you were hoping this one would be longer because you wanted more to listen to in the car. I did. I did. Um, but game two, luckily, if we can move to that, was much better here. The Twins win this one six to nothing. A one-hitter, a combined one-hitter hitter by this twin staff that also walked five batters uh but they do win this game six to nothing they get off to a quick start with a couple runs and then they just keep adding to it throughout the game yeah this was a 
fantastic performance by a few a few people who you might not have expected. Sanchez goes two for four. Garlic goes two for four. And then a rise. If you're not expecting a rise to be great, you you haven't been watching the team this year. Well, he had actually been in a bit of a snide. I think it was an 0 for 11 snide before this game, but he comes through with a couple hits. He scores a run. He knocks in a run. Also, Alex Kirilov, your guy, I believe, had a big hit and three RBI. Gary Sanchez gets part of it. The Twins, all in all, go four for 14 with runners in scoring position. So it wasn't like this game was ever really all that close. No, well, and real quick about Arise, you said 0 for 11, but in Arise 0 for 11, he had like 30 walks in that time. Like, it's not like he was totally unproductive at the plate. Speaking of walks, too, Max Kepler had three in this game. His plate discipline this season has been really impressive. He has turned it around in a way that I only hoped Miguel Sano was going to turn it around this season. But it turns out Max Kepler is the guy. That's the first Sano reference we've had in quite some time on the podcast, folks. But so this one, we do have to give credit to the pitching staff as well. Archer goes five innings pitched, the elusive five inning start out of Chris Archer. Five innings pitched, one walk, five strikeouts. Then the rest of the bullpen comes in, cleans it up. Cotton goes an inning, Jax goes an inning, and Thornburg pitches two innings innings two walks two strikeouts but the twins shut it down like you said Dan a one hitter this was a series where the twins were in a lot of jams really as pitchers and they were able to wiggle their way out of them I, I as much as I don't think this game was really in doubt I think the twins had so many opportunities you got to think the twins are going to win this game at the same time the fielding and the pitching really came up in clutch situations yeah I mean the Rockies they had seven opportunities with runners in scoring positions so like you said there were certainly opportunities for the Rockies to come back swinging and it's felt like CJ Crone was not a factor in in this series and when you can keep the best hitter on a team to a non-factor you're going to win a lot of series buxton with a triple in this one that knee certainly looked healthy on that play dan when he rests he must really rest because he comes out and for a guy who's had his knee on ice for the last couple days i am so impressed with his ability to just come back and have you, you don't just like leg out a triple right like you have to be really trying to get a triple and he had two of them in this series and did you see the fact about ken herbeck no so the first triple in the series tied him all time on the Twins triples list with Kent Herbeck with I think it was 18 at the time which tells you how long Kent Herbeck was with the Twins and much leaner apparently than we gave Kent Herbeck credit yeah I'm just like are you sure you got the name right there that's what Gleeman's tweet was luckily that tie is no longer because in game three Buxton had another triple he moved ahead of him yeah well with that let's move into game three Twins win this one six to three another great offensive performance and this one Dan I gotta be honest with you the pitching performances weren't great there was a lot of traffic on the base paths but just one of those things where they managed to work through it. I am stunned. This figure, the Rockies were two for 16 <laughs> with runners in scoring position, 11 runners left on base. And a lot of those were left on base with like one out, no outs. I mean, they, they had the bases loaded a couple times. I just like, if I'm a Rockies fan and there were some of them sitting in front of us, I'm pulling my hair out oh, for this game. It's got to be absolutely nuts. So Ryan making his third start back from the COVID list goes five innings pitched. Kind of shocking that he got through five because he was at like 30 after the first inning. But so he throws 102 pitches, gets through five innings, eight hits, three earned runs, one walk, one strikeout, one home run given up. But credit to Ryan for working through it. Only giving up three runs. Again, I don't love that five innings pitch, three earned runs. But in this particular instant, I don't mind it just because of how hard he had to work to get through those five innings. And the fact that he threw 102 pitches in this game tells me that Rocco has huge amounts of faith in Joe Ryan as one of the best pitchers on this staff to just muscle through this because he got hit a lot there. Eight hits is a lot of hits in five innings. Like you said, a lot of traffic on the bases. So glad he ends up getting the win. The bullpen is shaky, but does the job from there. I know we're going to talk about Caleb 
Thiel bar a little bit later. It's like he wanted to make his job harder oh and load the bases goodness. with nobody out. That's just nuts. It was crazy because I really thought we'd lose this game. I thought the Twins would lose this game because there were too many opportunities given for guys who, from the bullpen, haven't performed well when they've gotten under pressure and when they've gotten hit. And again, it's hard to blame Rocco because who else are you going to have pitch, right? Like, Hogs made that point last episode that you can make fun of Rocco all you want or, or second guess his decision making, but when you don't have places to turn, how can you really blame him? No, and you look, Tyler Duffy came in later. He also had his own issues, a couple of hits on a walk. He did get out of trouble. Tyler Duffy has lowered his ERA to 5.04, which it was up in the six or the sevens. I mean, so that was good. And then Duran came in and really looked like a closer yes. today. Yeah, he's starting to look more that part. There was a great article on The Athletic talking about how Duran has really sort of carried this bullpen and the stats would be considerably worse if he wasn't there to bring those numbers down for the bullpen. His ERA is down to 2.18. And when you got a guy throwing 103 miles an hour sometimes, if he can throw that pitch with any accuracy, you talked about this a couple episodes ago, he does need to have another pitch. He's got a splitter that has a little bit of movement on it. But gosh, 103 in the zone, if you can hit the corners, there's not a lot of guys who can hit that ball. They can't even swing fast enough, Dan. It's just impossible. No. So this was a fun game. Again, all in all, so fun to be back at Target Field. Sat in left field, David, uh, your recommendation again. And I got to tell you, those seats in the left field bleachers for 25 bucks, you can't beat that. Can't beat it. It's the best views in the stadium, especially if you're in 131 and you sit on the aisle seat closest to the bullpen. You have a pretty good view of home plate. I love those seats, especially for the cost, like you said. And you've got an opportunity between every inning for a guy to throw a ball to one of your kids. Yes. Can I got to say, though, I'm a little annoyed when they throw it and like a dude bro gets it. Yeah. David, oh, oh, come man. on. There's enough kids sitting in that section. If you're a dude bro out there, give the ball to a kid. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. We haven't ragged on dude bros almost at all this season. It's because I haven't been to Target Field. But every time I go to Target Field, it's like I see all the dude bros. And I think, come on, you got to have kids someday here, right? Oh, one day, one day they'll wise up. Okay, well let's uh, let's push here. Unfortunately, into the Puckett's picks winner segment. Catch them all, Kirby Puckett. Puckett's picks winner. So, David, I'm I'm trying kind of doing the math in my head as I go here. I was worried about Kirilov here. I wasn't rooting against. Kirilov exactly but there were moments when he hit a deep fly ball to right and I'm thinking I think the twins can win without a home run here disappointing so anyway folks Dan took a rise off the board he scored eight points Hogs had the listener pick and he took Correa who only scored two I had Kirilov who had six so that does give Dan the victory in Puckett's picks pushes him to seven wins on the season the listeners have six wins and I'm still atop the leaderboard with ten Hogs pointed out that a rise is good for what like six or seven or eight, eight points eight I think is what he said yeah <laughs> and that was exactly the number it was the perfect amount there's a lot of good reason to pick a guy who's going to always get just six seven or eight points yeah absolutely well with that dan let's move to beast versus bench beast versus bench it's losing fun is losing fun David, with my beast, I had to go with Byron Buxton. And and this is a little bit of recency bias because I just watched him have a fantastic game three where he gets on base every time. He's a home run short of the cycle, which I was having this conversation with somebody else. If there's a guy on the Twins who should have a cycle, who I don't think does, I don't think Byron Buxton has a cycle in his career. I mean, that's got to happen one of these days, right? Oh, absolutely. If he stays on the field and he's healthy, there's a lot of records that he's going to be coming after, Dan. So again, looks healthy, hitting triples. I feel a little pressure if I'm Luis Rise ahead of him. You don't want to be the guy who like 
can't get to home plate in time for Buxton to reach third on a triple, which happened a couple times in this series. Or, or sorry, it happened only once, I guess, in this series, technically. Well, and this is it's all that offseason work he put in with Nelson Cruz to drop those pounds. Dan. Fantastic. Nelson Cruz, are they going to put his name up on the wall? Like, are they going to retire Nelson Cruz's number at some point? He played in seasons that will nobody will remember a few seasons from now. But yes, we're going to retire Nelson Cruz. Twins Hall of Famer, definitely, Dan. <laughs> Who do you got as your beast? Just for parody's sake, I'm going to give it to Kepler. I thought he had a very good series. Again, you mentioned the three walks that he had. In game one, he only went one for four with a strikeout, but game two was the three walks. But then game three goes two for four with two RBIs. So clearly, again, Kepler is learning how to hit to the opposite field, and there are going to be some growing pains there. But clearly, he's figuring some things out. His plate discipline is getting better. I do think he can get back to the caliber that we thought he really belonged at in 2019. The way that he's able to hit lefties now, too, or just have at least quality at bats against lefties is making him even such a better hitter. I look at this lineup today. I mean, you got Arise, Buxton, Correa, and Kepler. I kind of like Kepler in that four spot with an OPS of 749 and with his propensity to actually get some walks. Gut check, Dan. Kepler or Sano if you have to take one of them. <laughs> what was my prediction? I think I predicted Snow would have 41 home runs. 41 homers, yeah. I don't think he's going to reach that point. I think Kepler's going to be a little bit better than that by the end of the year. So I guess now at this point, I have to take Max Kepler. Oh. Hate to say it, but... How your love... How your love has diminished for Miguel Sano, Dan. You are quite fickle, my friend. By the way, another stat. Alex Kirilov doesn't have a Major League home run yet this season. Isn't that surprising? Not really, because he hasn't been up all that much when his wrist has actually been working correctly. I know, but as good as he's played since he's been back, just waiting for that next home run from Alex Kirilov. It's coming. It is certainly on on the horizon. All right, let's go on to our bench, David. Who do you got? Yes, I got to give it to Nick Gordon. I'm getting less and less impressed with Nick Gordon. And with all the different options that we have, it doesn't help now that we had Larnick go onto the I.L., because that's basically given Gordon more time in left field, certainly. But he went one for 11 in this game. I get that he's not supposed to be an everyday player, but then why is he in the lineup every day, Dan? I don't understand. That seems counterintuitive to me a little bit. Positional flexibility. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. So it bothers me that he's not an everyday player at any one given position, but he just happens to be an everyday player because he can play at multiple positions. He hit a home run last series that was like one of these rare things out of the nine spot. The radio guys had a long time talking about. He was like one of two twin splits players in a one nothing game batting ninth to hit a home run David it's that kind of thing that keeps Nick Gordon on the roster you seem to be so defensive about Nick Gordon I didn't know you had this love for him well it's more because like why are you ragging on a guy who is like he's done everything the twins have asked he's played catcher it feels like out there some of these times he's played almost every position for this team he is much better than the turtle as a player but just as flexible (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> positionally this is now, positionally flexible is what I'm saying. <laughs> you've mentioned Sano. You've mentioned the turtle. I'm waiting on the Rosario reference. I'm sure it's coming, Dave. I will find a way, David. <laughs> I'm going to put Urshela on my bench. He did have one hit and an RBI in this game, but he in game two, he was 0 for 3. In game one, he was 0 for 4 in that cleanup spot where they really could have used him. I mean, he, had, he left three guys on base. I'm just, Urshela has had some big hits for this team, right? He was great in the Cleveland series where he hit that home run that didn't matter in the end i just thought he was in bigger spots in this series more high leverage spots than gordon that's why i picked him fair enough all right well let's keep going dan rocco's rewind rocco's rewind all right so david chris archer or rather the handling of chris archer has i think been a bit of a topic among 
Twins followers over the course of the season, right? Because Chris Archer famously does not go past maybe not even the fourth inning sometimes, right? Yeah. So I, I will give you this tweet from Aaron Gleeman. He, he said this, Chris Archer, who threw a total of just 19 innings the previous two seasons and hasn't had an ERA under four since 2015, now has a 3.14 ERA through 14 starts for the Twins. I don't think he's missed a start. I just think the criticisms of Chris Archer are unfair, considering what the Twins knew they were trying to get when they got Chris Archer. They weren't trying to get a pitcher who was going to pitch six, seven innings off the bat. They may not even ever get six, seven innings out of him. But the fact that you have a starting pitcher who's averaging four or five innings a game and his ERA is 3.14, I love that. What a great management of a of a tricky situation that could have been nothing. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting that he is still giving him that sort of true starter role, even though he's not technically a true starter, because is it really a true starter if the guy's never going to get to the point where he's getting a decision consistently? Well, he has five decisions, but he only two wins. I haven't looked at it, but I'm sure that there are games that the Twins have won when he started, but he didn't go five. Yeah. So he's two and three on the season. But again, a 3.14 year, he had five strikeouts, just one walk, one hit. And we didn't even really go into this. I mean, it was a one hitter that the Twins combined for in game two with five walks. I just think Chris Archer and the handling of him, I think there's some credit that goes to Rocco here. Yes, doing the best with what he's given, certainly. Yeah, and I think that you're right. The criticisms that Chris Archer has received haven't been great, especially when you consider his recent history. It's just one of those things where as we get deeper into the season, we need to sort of cement a plan for him, knowing that he's only going to have four or five innings, especially with the way that the bullpen has struggled. Is it like we talked about, if Maeda comes back, are you sort of merging these people together, knowing that you can only have to use two arms for a start? See, we talk about that merging of arms, and yet they never do that, no, David. So no. like, I don't understand why they don't when they could have that situation. They need to listen, I think, a little bit more to our wisdom here, I think, because I think there would be a lot of problems solved there. The Twins would love, it seems like, to have 16 pitchers on this roster right now, and they just can't. I, but I do think Archer has a role as that fifth guy or that fourth guy, provided, you know, Winder or Ober can step up to after after Smeltzer and be that extra guy. But then there's Bundy. T- I just It's a weird glut of mediocrity after Ryan and after Sonny Gray. Fair point. What about you? What do you got? Yeah, so my question is, we saw Thornburg in two games. We saw him in game one, he pitched an inning. Game two, he pitched two innings to close out the game. He seemed effective, right? It's tricky. He's a journeyman. He's been everywhere. He's never seen, like, you know, all-star level success. Are we going to start to see him more? doing back-end bullpen work for Rocco? That's a good question. I mean, maybe like, like out of what, desperation? Well, I'm just wondering, like, at what point do you give him a shot in a higher leverage role, seeing as the other guys have struggled? Obviously, this game three today is a little bit of an exception as of late, but sooner or later, you got to try something, right? I think so, because... Again, we talked about how the bullpen kind of dodged trouble here in game three. Thielbar was not great. Duffy was not great. Pagan is just, I mean, he was actually very good in this game, but he is, he's very scary to, I guess, watch trot out from the bullpen. So maybe you might as well, if you're not going to use Thornburg for more than a couple of innings anyway, why not give him a high leverage spot one of these games and just see what he can do? Especially if you're needing an arm, why not use Thornburg? Yeah, I think so. I think so. So I guess that's what I'm saying to Rocco. And I guess the fact that that's what we're talking about in Rocco's Rewind means that we don't have that many criticisms for Rocco for this series, there's not much else that he could have done. No, I think other than trying to manufacture a run in game one when that felt like a game that was going to be close and maybe just doing that more generally. All right, with that, Dan, here, let's move on. Minnesota moment. Minnesota moment. 
David, so whenever I'm at a game, obviously, there's a little bit more of a bias towards those games. I'm, I'm paying attention to the nuance and stuff. But I thought the first inning of Game 3, specifically the bottom of the first inning, when the Twins just put together a rally. Yeah. They're just hitting the ball hard. They're hitting it where guys aren't. And the fact that they were able to put up three runs after the Rockies had scored in the top of, of a rubber game, I thought was really important. They could have had a lot more than three runs there. I was waiting for the big home run yeah. that they got in that Diamondback series in the win down there. Especially when Joe Ryan clearly didn't have his stuff. I just think that they were able to pour on a couple runs more in the second inning to give them a lead here when your starter needs some support. I thought it was, it was a really big team victory here. Mine is very much in a similar vein. Thielbar and Duffy both working out of jams in game three was huge. Because again, that whole time, Dan, I assumed the Twins were going to lose this game because the bullpen was going to fall apart. And both of them got in trouble. And not just like a guy on first trouble. Like a lot of trouble Thielbar and Duffy found themselves in. Especially Thielbar. Thielbar getting out of that inning with a pop-up and then, and then the bases loaded the hit back to him and then it was so funny the ball gets hit back to field bar so it's it's one out now and jeffers is at home screaming for the ball but there's no force play because i don't think he realized that field bar caught it on the fly i think he thought that that field bar caught it off a hop well that was a strange whole play because then the Rockies batter at the time, he was mad oh, that Thielbar caught it. He, he spiked the bat into yeah. the ground, not at a Twins player, but like in an obvious frustration. And I think it was that same inning. Then they get the force out on the grounder to Urshela. He yeah. plays it at home. And Nick Gordon like started to trot off the field. Like yeah. he thought there were three outs. It's like, uh, no, no, Nick. Like, do you not know the situation here, Nick? Well, that's not the first time. Contreras, after making a great catch in center from the ground, chucks it in because he felt like he really needed to get the ball in after the third out. It was just like, Come on, guys. All right, well, let's keep going here. Dan Mauer's Musings. I just don't know how it can get any better. Mauer's Musings. David, I come back. I watch Carlos Correa. I see the championship culture he's brought <laughs> to Target Field, which... There have been great crowds, really, yeah, this whole yeah. week. I, I know that the weather has been good here, but, I mean, there were 23, 24-plus everyone in these games. The lines were super long at all the concession stands. Do you think Carlos Correa would accept, I don't even want to say, a comparable market offer for, like, a six-year deal? Would he take a little bit of a hometown discount to stay with the Twins? Maybe, but even a hometown discount? So, Gleeman was on Barrero the other day, and I'm driving home from work, and Gleeman, like, lays it out like this. He's like... Do you realize how astronomical this deal will have to be for the Twins to sign them and how much bigger it will be than any contract the Twins have signed ever? Any contract? Any contract. Like the Donaldson contract would be the closest thing. And that that's not even close to what they're going to have to pay Carlos Correa. So in my heart, I want to believe that Carlos Correa just loves Dangerous Man Brewing and Indeed Brewing Company. And he loves the atmosphere that his kid is growing up in where you can be super nice to someone's face and that passive aggressive mean to them he wants to stay in the twin cities but my head says dan there's a certain point where the number when we're talking about additional millions carlos correa is not going to be a twin next season okay so but i'm gonna i'm gonna make this case so i was talking to a friend who was at the game with me the twins have clearly avoided giving a ton of money to pitchers Right? They, they don't believe in giving, this current regime doesn't believe in giving big contracts to pitchers. That, I think like Ricky in Alaska seemingly was like look, the biggest contract look, twins have ever signed. Look at bullpen as exhibit A for lots of money spent on pitchers. Well, and I get it. I get the logic because I think you're going to get a little better value out of hitters, but you can't have every deal like the Byron Buxton deal where it's very team friendly, where it's basically if you play well, then you're going to get like baseball contracts don't work like that. Like you're paid for the first half of your contract most yeah. of the time. It feels like I just would love to see them locked down 
Correa. I don't know what that means to Royce Lewis. Royce is probably the one now in a cold sweat. Like, what's Correa going to do? Is he going to sign this contract? Do I need to get traded? Like, I don't know. But I just, I would love to see Carlos Correa in this Twins lineup for a long time. Maybe. It could, I mean, I guess. Anything's possible, right? <laughs> anyway, that's a lot of music. But what about you? What do we got? We've had a couple of strange instances here in the last couple of series where either the pitching has really let us down or the hitting has really let us down. So game one in this series, obviously the offensive letdown, they couldn't get one run across. And then on the opposite side of things, the pitching really letting us down in games one and two last series against the Guardians. So my question to you, Dan, is do games lost by hitting or pitching annoy you more? This is a great philosophical baseball I know, question. I know. It's not even really about the Twins. It's just kind of baseball in general. But it came to me and I really want to get your thoughts. I, when a pitching staff blows a lead, that is harder for me because there's, there's this assumption in my head that a bullpen guy should be able to hold a lead just naturally like that's yeah. that's the natural case i wasn't as upset i wasn't as upset when the twins lost one to nothing i was frustrated about it yeah like they couldn't score the runs but i also can't like point to a moment where in the same way we're like oh yeah when that bullpen guy gives up a three-run home run or something like that so i think those are harder yeah i think that's a reasonable take so here's how i describe it right i'd say i am more angry when a bullpen gives up a lead but i am more let down when the offense can't get a run across so opening day this year right there was an opportunity with gary sanchez at the plate where he could win it with a home run i think dick bramer called a home run yeah, sure right off the bat right <laughs> i'm sure he did dick is calling a home run right now Dan. he's at a restaurant ordering dinner and he's calling a home run the servers bring in food that he thinks is his but it's actually going to a different table and he's getting real pumped about it my goodness is it like the sizzling fajita yeah. chilies like he's that's like, what that he's mu- waiting that for must be mine and here he comes no but so, so anyway what are we even talking about so anyway So, but what I mean by that is that I'm less like upset that Sanchez didn't hit a home run, but just like, you know, my heart is in my stomach when I see that that ball drops on the warning track. And it's like, oh, how close, how close he came to winning a game here. So that's how I describe it. Yeah, I was pretty let down when the Twins couldn't score one run in that Guardians game when it's 5-5 in the 10th inning. It's like, just get one, one run. When you have a runner on second. Oh my gosh. Yeah, you guys handled that well. I, I shouldn't get all worked up here. The Twins just won a series at least. So that's good. All right, well, let's keep going, Dan. Time to grade the series. Series grades. Yeah, so I'm going to give them a B minus, Dan Thompson. And the thing is, maybe I should even bump it to a B because they did well. It's just that first game, Dan. Score a run. Score a run. I went with a B because of the sunshine today. (laughs) I think, like, it just felt so good to be, even if I'm, like, ushering a child through all of these lines, most of the big innings early on. Like, I don't actually think I was in my seat for the Twins scoring any runs today because I was, like, buying frozen lemonade or buying mini donuts. You know, it was, I mean, but it was still like such a, a great atmosphere and experience. They won a series at home. I think at the end of the day, we could point to the third game and say the Rockies really kind of deserve to win that game for as much as they were able to get base runners on. So I'll call it a B. Seems reasonable. Well, let's keep going, Dan. Herbie's headline. I don't know, Jack. It looked like Herbeck pulled him off the back. Herbie's headlines. So Dan Thompson, I am quite excited to talk about Herbie's headline for two reasons. First of all, we get to talk about Dan's beloved Yankees. They're not my beloved Yankees. Even a guy today earlier is like, hey, are you guys going to start making this a Yankees podcast? (laughs) No, this is not it. This is great. So we're going to talk about Dan's beloved Yankees. The Yankees were no hit by the Astros, Dan, which is, again, Dan loves no hitters. He thinks that they should be celebrated more than anything else in baseball. Like birthdays. Yeah, Yeah, that should be great. (laughs) But so the Astros combined three pitchers that took him, Dan, a few walks here and there. But who cares? Walks don't really matter, Dan. It's all about the hits that really matter. Right, because you can just 
just avoid a 3-1 count by just walking the guy. Yeah, you don't have to throw a pitch down the middle. Come on. Anyway, so I just wanted to mention, Dan, your beloved Yankees have fallen. They got no hit. I'm so happy that that happened. And to Hoax's point from last episode, he said, if you want to talk about the Yankees in a negative way during Herbie's headline, I am for that every single episode. So we're just fulfilling Hoax's request. I'm just saying, David, that our tagline of our show talks about how we appreciate well-played baseball. And there's a comma, especially (laughs) when it's done by the Twins. And I just think this segment, of all segments, David, is a chance to celebrate well-played baseball. And the Yankees are doing a lot of well-playing baseball right now. Okay, That's my point. Just so I understand, though, does that mean I'm going to have to add a segment here that says, and especially not when it's done by the Yankees? No, I don't think so, because I think I think we are mature enough, David, to no. recognize. No. Anyone, Dan, we, we're on season three. Nobody's going to believe a line that says, I think we're mature enough. That's going nowhere, Dan Thompson. I'm just saying the Yankees are a very good baseball team. So one other note about the Yankees. Those of you who have listened to the podcast for a while know that I am no Josh Donaldson fan. But one other good note about Josh Donaldson. <laughs> Josh Donaldson bat flipped a ground rule double in this Astros series, which is maybe, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe. I don't know what word best describes the silliness that is bat flipping a ground rule double. Arrogance, cockiness, like Donaldson. Like that is the word for it. I know there's a lot of people out there who love Donaldson. They love the the energy that he brings to a baseball game and team. But come on, Josh, just run to second base. Is run to second base and I well he could walk it's a ground rule double it's, that's even, true right doesn't even need to run all right well let's go into Puckett's picks for this five game Guardian series and we'll see you Puckett's picks five-game Guardian series, and my goodness, Dan, I was in Boston um, a couple years back, and I bought a Boston Red Sox hat because I was at Fenway, kind of wanted to do it, and to be honest, I love the Boston logo with the socks. How can you not like I, I just don't understand how you can be praising Boston here and be slamming my appreciation for what the Yankees are doing here. Okay, like, if you, if you how, give me two seconds, I'll okay, explain Okay, right, go ahead. Give me two seconds. They swept the Guardians, Dan. So what I was saying is I was dusting off the old Boston hat. I was wearing it around loud and proud, Dan. That that the Boston Red Sox swept the Guardians. So now the Twins go into Cleveland. They were even after the last series. Even even in quotes because Cleveland has like 80 games in hand. Because, because It's the weirdest thing. How have they only played like they've only played like 12 baseball games this year, but they're like close to five like percentage wise. Like it's such a, it's such a dopey. It's a weird schedule. Yeah. I get that. But come on. Anyway, anyway, so they're going to go five against Cleveland in Cleveland, but they're up by two games to start the series, which is just fantastic. It's a pretty good situation. We will, we should note, by the way, the strange thing with the Twins pitching coach situation. So Wes Johnson, the Twins pitching coach for now four seasons, has apparently left to be the LSU pitching coach, not the manager but the pitching coach of a college team. That's a strange move. It's interesting. And it does tell you a few things about maybe his frustration with the lack of bullpen signings. Dan, I don't know why he's leaving. I, I, I'm sure we'll find out more over the next coming days. It sounds like he's even going to actually make the trip to Cleveland, though, for this series and then leave. Like, it's a it's a very bizarre situation to he, continue he to He has follow. a connecting flight anyway. So <laughs> he must just stop in Cleveland, I guess. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, with that here, uh, Hoax is picking for the listeners because Dan will be out the next two episodes, actually. So Hoax has taken Buxton. I will get the first pick as Dan won this last series. I am, of course, going to take my boy Correa because anytime that Correa is available, Dan, I'm taking Carlos Correa. You have taken Carlos Correa so many times in this. I don't know. I Kirilov, come on. You know, for it. variety's sake here, I'm going to pick Alex Kirilov because, yes, Arise has been great. I just don't know that 8, 9, 10 points is going to be quite enough 
to win in this. So I'm, I'm hoping for Kirilov to get his first home run, maybe two, maybe three here in this Guardian series. Okay. Well, with that, then why don't you send us out? Because they're going to be without you for a little bit. It's going to be me and Hoax. They are. They are. Well, folks, if you like what you hear, please tell a friend. You can follow us on Twitter at Min for the Win. You can find our Min for the Win Facebook page. You can find us on YouTube as well. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast in any of those places and so you're notified when new episodes are available. And if you could leave us a rating, that would be great. Thanks for listening. And as always, go Twins. That'll wrap up another episode of Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Thanks so much for listening, and as always, go Twins.